You're listening to Innerverse. My name is Chance, and I'll be your host on this here episode 24 of season two. In this episode, I'm bringing you a conversation with a really original individual. He goes by the name You're a Soul because I think he's trying to point out the fact that you're not your name, you're not your body. You're none of these identifications that we make with the material world, but you are an internal experience of what you are feeling. That is you. It's your heart, not your thoughts, but your heart. And we talk a lot about the heart in this episode, about what it means to be living from the heart and various ways that reality gets to be quite interesting, whimsical, strange, and you know, just expands beyond the normal boundaries of what were previously the limitations once we start living from the heart. I think anyone familiar with the term synchronicity that's experienced portions of life where it seems like spiritual significance is taking place with even mundane things will understand what I mean by having that heart-centered perception of reality where everything's connected and unified and seems to shine through a beautiful purpose for our co-evolution towards something more loving and more free. And on that subject, if you wanted to be loving and help me be more free, go to patreon.com forward slash interverse, which you can find in the episode description, and you will find a link to my Patreon. There, you will have the ability to send me some dollar bills. And while I I eventually want to be completely off of the US dollar, because there's a lot of bad karma connected to that, unfortunately, I'm physically restricted to being tied to that system right now. And because I imagine you guys are too, I don't doubt that you've got a spare dollar a month that if you enjoy this show, you might be willing to part with. And I'll make sure and post cool stuff on there for you if you pledge up to the higher tiers and you want to get access to my artwork or video episodes or early access episodes. I I really would appreciate any kind of support you want to show me though, whether or not it's for a reward. In fact, um, some people have even pledged without uh, asking for a reward and that's, that's possible too. Although, uh, you know, it's really easy for me to do these things that I've put on here, you know, give you a shout out or for the $5 tier, do a custom profile picture for you. I say it's easy, but you know, I put some heart into it because I love my patrons. You guys are the only reason I'm able to, you know, conceive of doing this as a means of my livelihood. You guys who have helped me raise $500 for the show so far since I started the Patreon campaign in February. So anyway, thank you to all you guys. Um, I'm sure that that ramble was not a very effective ad for Patreon, but hey, I'm trying here. I really just want to get on and talk about uh, what your soul is up to because he's actually got his own social media platform called Eureka. And I'm wanting to do a contest of some kind where if you guys actually go make a profile on Eureka and make a post where you tag Interverse as one of the tags, you could be entered into this contest. And what is the reward going to be? That is maybe a slight mystery. I'm thinking 
most likely it will involve crystals and maybe an art print or some hat pins or something like that. Something from my collection of creations that I have been up to before I was a podcaster. I spent a lot more time working on art and now I work on it as I can. But anyway, some kind of prize like that will be available. Um, maybe even an Interverse t-shirt since I'm going to have to get those going soon. That's going to be built into the Patreon reward structure very soon. Some t-shirts. So anyway, that's the contest. Very loosely defined, right? Um, go make a profile on Eureka.org and make a post that tags Interverse and that will count as an entry to the contest. And I guess if you want a bonus entry, um, get a friend to sign up, but I feel like they would just want to use that as their entry to try to get the cool stuff. So yeah, um, the prize is going to be a bit of a mystery package, because, but I promise it'll be the best thing that I can put together for you guys. And for a deadline on this contest, let's say... I'm going to let this contest run for a little while, and yeah, and that way I can just talk about it in multiple episodes. That way we can really get some people involved in this contest. And if I think of ways to have extra entries into the contest, I'll let you know. In fact, I might even just say... Mm, yeah, I'll think about it. I don't want to just blurt out rules. You know, you may have noticed this about me. I like to think and talk out loud at the same time. That's how I figure stuff out. You guys, believe it or not, I don't have time to put a lot of planning into these episodes. I'm just winging it right here. And that's why I'm extra appreciative that you even listen to me. So anyway, there's going to be a contest involving Eureka.org, which you'll hear more about in this episode as we talk about what that is. And it's a heart-centered social media platform. And just because you might be like, wow, this interface is not what I'm used to or expecting. Don't let that stop you because you could actually message your soul and just be like, hey, I suggest this change to the interface. And I bet that he would listen to you. And I think that if we could get on here as a community and, and really make this a, a home and make it our own, we could do cool things with it. Um, it's got a lot of potential. It's going to evolve with us. and. That's why I want to make this contest happen. So you guys will be motivated to try out the website. Because once you get there, I think you're going to like it. Anyway, enough about that. Um, back to the Patreon thing. You guys have got a little bit more to sit through as I give out the shout outs for this month. Because we're at a new month now. We've got a couple new patrons on board. I'll go ahead and give the shout outs to my $12 tier. The $12 tier is the creative core and only 11 people can join. So that makes 12 of us total. Right now we've got Jeff Severson and Beth Naturno. Hope I said your last name right, Beth. Jeff and Beth, that's hard to say together. And I will be having monthly conversations where we talk about whatever it is that they are trying to manifest in the world or whatever it is they want to talk about. And if they want those episodes or those can become episodes of the podcast if they're willing. And they're always good enough conversations for that. Those will be bonus episodes that you see coming out occasionally. So if you want to have access to be able to make episodes with me, have a monthly conversation with me, we could do tarot, uh, art collaborations, whatever you want to do. I'll give you some time once a month. Um, that's only $12 a month and it's a big boost to me whenever people sign up for this tier. Let me tell you, it's really cool. Uh, it's basically like instant friendship. And it's not like you're buying my friendship. It's just like 
you're sim you're you're symbolizing that you're willing to put energy into this thing that I'm putting energy into. And so it becomes a co-creation at that point. Because guess what? You're not exactly paying me whenever you sign up for Patreon. You're not. You're actually paying Interverse Podcast to get stickers or to get T-shirts or to get a new mic if I need a new mic. And that's really it. I'm not actually taking any money out of this. I'm just trying not to lose money making it currently. And uh, I would I'd gladly pay money to create this because I think it's valuable to get these kind of conversations out to anybody that wants to listen to them. Anyway. Back to the shout outs. Man, I'm really easily distracted. Don't you guys love it? Uh, all right. I quit coffee today, too. Can you believe that? Seems like I'm hyper enough. Holy shit. Uh, all right. So the next group of shout outs goes to the $5 tier. These are the adepts, interverse adepts. And because they joined this tier, they got a custom super psychedelic self portrait of themselves edited by me. And they get monthly shout-outs on the show, too. So, oh, they got a sticker as well. Well, they didn't get it yet, but it's coming soon, guys. They're, they're in the mail, or they're about to be. They're in envelopes that will be put in the mail. How about that? <laughs> That's the honest truth. Okay, but it's only May 2nd. We're getting them to you. We, me, I'm getting them to you. So anyway, you adepts, I love you guys. Elise Myers, amazing. Hope to see you at Funkberry. This weekend, going to Funkberry. Anybody else going to be there? Hit me up. That's in Arkansas, by the way. All right, Dream Nexus. That is Chris Abert. He put Dream Nexus as his name on Patreon. He's got a podcast called Dream Nexus. Go check that out. Maybe I'll remember to link to it in this episode. If not, just go look it up, guys. It's Dream Nexus. It's great. And then we have Apple Annie. Wonderful, wonderful human being who I also hope to see at some festivals this year. Thank you, Annie, for your contribution. Steven Singer, still going strong, who was actually a past guest on the show. Go look him up. Awesome homie. My wonderful mother is in this tier, as is my father. Mother and father, Kathy and Tim. Thanks, guys. And then uh, last but not least, Peter Merrick. Thanks, buddy. I hope to see you soon because I'm excited about that secret you told me. It's a good secret. All right, well, that's it for the shout-outs. Thank you to everybody else who's donated in the $1 or $3 tiers. If you want a monthly shout-out, just give me a little more money, you guys. Come on. No, I'm kidding. You guys are great. You're keeping this show going. And, yeah, um, one last thing before we jump into the episode where I'm talking to your soul. The music in this particular podcast was provided by Desert Dwellers at the request of our guests, and if you ever want me to use music for the show, maybe it's even your music. Hit me up and let me know. Interverse.podcast at gmail.com. Good way to get in touch with me. Or go to minds.com. Links to everything we talk about in the show notes, in the full description. And that'll be that. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. Stay cool. You're already cool. But stay whatever you want to be. Yeah. All right. You do you. We'll talk later. On to the episode.
Everybody, welcome to the podcast. You're a soul. How's it going, man? Hey, man. Doing good. How are you doing? Uh, like we were saying, uh, we have opposite weathers right now. Uh, you have actually got a social media platform that you're creating. And, well, it is created, but it is always ever-evolving as these things are. Yeah. It's called Eureka. That's right, yeah. Um, so I started that actually quite a long time ago, maybe nearly 10 years ago, actually. Um, I basically was a systems analyst and software engineer and worked for some big corporations, used to make software for banks at one point, and um, didn't know anything about how banking worked, really, the reality of it. I was just doing it to get a job, you know, to get some money, and um, had a lot of experiences there with, which opened my eyes to the nature of money and um, industry and software. So I started to realize, well, I don't really want to work for these people, um, and I would like to find something more useful for humanity to do. So um, I, I, this is a, a conversation that can go in so many different directions, but um, in short, I started writing a book which um, explains some of what I'd learned um, and which touches on what people might call paranormal or spiritual type experiences. Um, and then I realized, well, I need a social, I need a way to share this. And I tried to, uh, you know, I looked into getting a book deal and they actually wouldn't speak to me without me having an agent. And I inherently don't trust agents and third parties and things. So I thought, well, why is that? And, and it just seemed to me, I'd worked in the music industry before and I, I saw how artists were exploited and, Basically, it just seemed to me like they won't talk to you because they do side deals with the agents and things like that. So I just thought, well, I'd rather do this myself and we have the internet. So I just thought, well, I'll go through social media. And then I was getting censored on social media. So then I thought, well, okay, uh, <laughs> right, I have to run my own social network, basically. And that's how that started. So um, Beautiful. Uh, yeah. I've been experiencing getting censored on social media myself. Okay. So I recently finally jumped off Facebook for right. good. Although um, I, I keep having this temptation to go back there for the purpose of organizing events in my local area because I haven't talked about this yet on the show, but I'm really interested in getting started on a truth and freedom movement in my town because it doesn't really exist. It doesn't right. really exist yet. But I'd like, I'd like to go back to a couple of the things that you mentioned there. First of all, banking and money, that yeah. is such... A, that is what I would consider the dominant religion of this planet. That's pretty so, much, yeah. yeah. So any way that we can undermine those type of control structures, which are just like another thing you touched on, essentially vampiric middlemen between you and your abundance. And yeah. that's what the, the third party, uh, the agent, what, what have you. I also cannot stand that type of concept in the reality. And, um, looking to not ever be that person myself, first of all, and then uh, look for ways to circumvent those type of systems where they do exist. So your um, Eureka, it's it's really cool because I assume that there's not going to be any kind of, um, you know, third party advertising that's in some yeah. way taking the content value from the creator and transferring it to a third party the way so something like Facebook does. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a challenge because although I have all the skills to run the site, it takes a lot of my time. It's taken literally years of my life being unpaid to work on this. So um, that's my kind of investment into it. And 
I understand, you know, in this reality that we're collectively creating and experiencing that it can be a major challenge to operate without money. And I've tried to live without money for a number of years. Uh, I'm fortunate in a sense that I have family support and it, I'm not really being thrown against the, you know, the hard edge of living basically on, on planet Earth without money. So I've, I've been okay, but eventually I run out and I need money. And at the moment, like there's a gift shop on Eureka that sells t-shirts, doesn't really sell um, a huge amount, hardly anything really at the moment because there's not a lot of traffic. But um, the fundamental design of the site though is, as you say, to not have any advertising on it. And and that is really, it's, it's primarily to not sidetrack people's consciousness from creating better realities than the kind of ones that we're stuck with at the moment. Uh, so, um, you know, like I don't really want to have an advert for a sniper rifle and silicon breast implants next to, um, you know, consciousness expanding content. It just doesn't really make sense. Or there are a few, there are a few services that I would promote gladly, but you know, ultimately I'm happy to keep it advertising free and, um, I'm just intending to do other things in my life basically to get the money that I need when I need it. That makes sense. I mean, essentially there, if you are open to this as a truth, then there will always be enough for you. You just have yeah. to not have expectations beyond what enough is manifesting as in that moment. Exactly, yeah. I mean, when you really understand synchronicity and how attraction operates in the universe and so on, then ultimately I found that I always get what I need. It might sometimes come right at the last moment when I'm literally about to give up and then it's like someone just out of the blue will say, here, have this. And I'll be like, oh, what? Okay, yeah, thanks. <laughs> that keeps me going for another few months, you know, but... Um, so far that has worked and and I feel it I know it and so it's just a question of having a degree of trust and finding um, how to release your kind of false ideas that you have about what you want versus what you really need and just choosing to, to go with what you need rather than what you want if that makes sense oh completely makes sense and for me that has come in a constant reevaluation of my motivations yeah. right because I'll have, I'll have an idea that's a concept I want to bring into the world. Uh, like for the example of this show, I guess this would be a great example. I, have, I originally started the show with the concept of being a promotional show for just artists and creators, which I still wanted to have that aspect. But I realized after, after a while of trying to just like force that as a concept that really might my idea was more about that being a good gimmick to make my show get bigger and help myself than it was about being something for others to benefit off of and for me to help others through. So my motivations for recently have just changed to be about sharing, spreading conscious information and truth in whatever form that could take. So uh, you're, you're a great first episode for that new motivation because your intention is clear throughout Eureka. There's even a very specific use of language that I really appreciate and uh, guidelines that are, are there for anybody to just, you know, be reminded what, of what is so commonplace in other forms of social media, which is like violent forms of communication and how it doesn't actually serve you and what it, you know, to just look with, you're always being reminded on Eureka to look within. That's, I guess, yeah. where I'm going with this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, um, there's certain things that I've learned from good teachers and from my own experience about these subjects. And uh, although I've come from a very technical background and I have like a degree in computer design, software design, and so on, um, 
I was also always doing yoga, martial arts, canoeing, other things which were bringing me to an inner awareness. And I realized that it's that inner awareness that needs to be cultivated. And, and so many different, um, so many, so many of our problems are based on us looking outside basically and, and sort of projecting our problems onto other people and then attacking them. Um, that it's kind of, it, you know, I made, made sure that it's, I do my best to not, not be overpowering in the language and, and guidelines that I offer on there, but to make sure that message is put across. And, um, it's, yeah, I think I've tried to find a balance, basically. That's what it's all about, is balance, really. Exactly. Internal balance is what can solve the external chaos more than uh, external control. Exactly. <laughs> control, yeah, exactly. control is just a manifestation of internal fear, in a sense. Yeah, really, yeah. I mean, for me, like I like the definition of control. I, I like to point out that control requires that thing which is being controlled and the thing which is doing the controlling. So it requires two aspects. So if you are controlling yourself, then that's like an artificial division of yourself into two pieces, uh, whereas in reality you're one. So if you know, there's an alternative to even to self-control, which to me is just being balanced. So in other words, the different parts of or the different facets of yourself, let's say, are working together harmoniously and there's no one part, one part controlling another part um, and that's how you can end um, internal repression and denial and heal traumas and bring up memories that you've forgotten and all these kind of things once you once you unify yourself I mean that's really the essence of yoga in a sense in a sort of non um, purely physical uh, sense it's the more kind of energetic soul soul direction of yoga as I understand it is to sort of be harmonized and unified internally and um, that's also reflected by the two hemispheres of the brain working together and um, all the different subparts, let's say, of us uh, communicating in balance. I find what you just said to be really profound, which is that self, like sovereignty isn't about self-control. It's about balance. And if you are sovereign in your own consciousness, you're not constantly strictly controlling some other part of yourself that wants something that you know is wrong. Instead, you've unified all aspects of your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions to be aligned with the true will of creation or your, you know, which is your, yourself because we are, the, we are the generative principle of this creation. So that, that's just really profound to me. There, there shouldn't be an internal battle against something. If you are trying to control some aspect of yourself that you see as negative, in reality, that's an a false sense of self, a false ego that is just needing to be dissolved back into the rest of you, essentially accepted and, and no longer battled with. And instead heal, you have to find a way to heal that and bring it into, bring it back into yourself. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Exactly. Yeah. It's, this is a process that I've been guided through various teachers, let's say, I mean, some of it's channeled material. I don't know if you're familiar with channelings and things, but I was just talking to my friend Jeff about channeling Atlantean beings for wisdom. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's a, I'm, I'm definitely open to the concept of channeling. I'm sure just like anything, there's people that are essentially third parties to the phenomenon that seek to exploit the idea of it to, contr to control or profit off of others. But yeah. the thing itself is certainly something that makes sense to me. I'm, I've personally had experiences of, uh, receiving internal communications from something that felt outside of my physical ego self. And it's not like a, Ooh, you're hearing voices thing. It's like, there's some 
higher self consciousness that is reflecting your light back to you. And it helps you just have a bit of a dialogue with the self. And that's, that's interesting. You consider, I don't consider that necessarily to be a dualistic way of being. It's, um, it's a, it's a balanced thing. If you are remaining neutral with it, you're not, you're realizing that it's a part of you that you're communicating with um, and it's not really external, then there's not actually a dualism there, I guess. Yeah, well, this, this comes back to, I've made some notes here of things I want to talk about and, and one of them is really telepathy in a sense um, because uh, we have this idea like Mark Zuckerberg and other people have been talking about developing technological telepathy and really if you study things behind the scenes, the black projects and so on, that technology has existed as far as I'm aware for quite a long time anyway behind closed doors. Um, so... Uh, I'm just wanting to spread the message really more and more that we are telepathic beings anyway, and um, there are teachers of, of, of that who, um, who are pretty well versed in teaching people. And there's a very good documentary you can find on YouTube, it's also on Eureka, uh, called Animal Communicator. I don't know if you've seen that with Anna Breitenbach, Anya or Anna Breitenbach. Um, she's like a South African uh, animal communicator, basically. Who I'll link to, to that in the show notes. It's definitely one of my favorite documentaries. It's just really, really mind, mind changing. Um, she, she literally can telepath with pretty much any animal in two directions and get full on communication going on. Um, and that inspired me to also seek to do that. And I've also done it now. So, um, I, not like her. I mean, she's, she's literally dedicated her whole life to it, but pretty much, but I've, I've done it a few times and I know it's, I've had it. The way that it happened for me was it demonstrated that it was real. Um, in other words, I was getting information from the animals, which I couldn't get any other way. And then I found out later to be true. So, um, wow. Yeah. So does it, did it come through more as like a feeling and intuitive knowing or was it even ling linguistically structured? Well, it's what I've learned is that ultimately what we're willing to accept and what our belief systems allow to manifest within us is that sets the, the boundaries, basically. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's kind of like you know if you don't believe telepathy is real then you haven't got any boundaries there's just there's no doorway you're not going to have any nothing's going to happen but if you accept that it's real then it can come to you or you can experience it and really like for me for example uh, the first time i remember this occurring was i was walking through um actually no, the first time it was uh, there was a horse that was tied up chained up in a field near where i used to live and it was abused basically i seen the people there that were tying these horses up you know beating them literally and i wanted to um to help it but i didn't really know what to do because i just didn't have any means of helping it you know i didn't you know, have bolt cutters or anything if i cut, cut the horse free where's it going to go there's nowhere for it to go really um so i just went up and talked to the horse and i really wanted to help it and basically it's all about the heart it's about allowing the heart to communicate on that level um so your mind your sort of human program conditioned um, language-based thinking doesn't really get in the way. It's more just a kind of direct communication through vibration. And it is about empathy and feeling. Um, but what I actually got from that experience was um, thoughts that came to me uh, and a sense of feeling, but it actually was translated in my mind as English. Um, it wasn't like, I wasn't like hearing a voice outside. It was like a thought, which almost was in my own internal voice, if you know what I mean. But it wasn't. It's, it's, it's kind of like part of me was interpreting it in that way. And it also was another component, which was not that. Um, and I think that ties back to what you were saying about higher self. And I think that the higher self ultimately is connected to everything. And yeah, yeah. 
So it's it's almost like you're kind of it's almost like in a in a in a um, computing networking analogy kind of sense. It's almost like the higher self is the router in your in your network. Um, all the different devices are connected to that, and you talk through that. So um, that's that's my experience. In that in that case, I just said to the horse, "Where do you want to be? What what can I do to help you?" And it basically said, "I want to be over there." Point. I got a sense of a direction. Um, and with the other horses, and, and I was thinking, I don't, I don't think there are any other horses over there. And I was questioning this all the time. You know, am I going crazy? Is this really happening? Uh, you know, am I inventing it? So I just walked off and walked through the forest and found this field with immaculately cared for horses, like you know, ten minutes exactly where it sort of psychologically or mentally pointed me to. Um, and I was like, right, for me, that's confirmation enough because I had no idea they were there. Uh, and and I had a similar experience, you know, years later with a with a cow as well, funnily enough. But um, so yeah, I mean, it's it, for me. I was quite open to that. I'm quite open-minded, and I understand that we're communicating non-verbally all the time. So um, maybe someone else has slightly different, you know, experiences when they do these things. I know that um, in the in the documentary, animal communicator, she receives images from the animals, so she can actually see conceptual images and memories and things that they're holding. But she's also having other levels of communication as well at the same time. That makes sense if she's a more advanced communicator that imagery would be how it manifests because if you look at more advanced ancient civilizations, their language is pretty much imagery. Yeah. And actually, if you look at our culture, we're moving towards an image-based culture as well, just a different way of reproducing the images. And I, w- yeah. I want to ask, though, did you ever find out if the horse made it to a better spot? Well, sadly, unfortunately, in uh, Britain where we are, where I am, um, we don't have very intelligently run um, infrastructure, let's say, or um, groups that monitor these kind of things. So basically, um, I reported that case to like animal cruelty type people here and, uh, and you know, not really knowing what they were going to do. And their answer was, oh, yeah, we've dealt with that. We went down there and put an RFID chip in the horse. Uh, and I was kind of like, right, okay, well, obviously that's the complete opposite of what's needed. Um, so uh, that's as much as I know, basically. I mean, um, you know, so it's pretty sad, really. Yeah, well, the structures that you're talking about or government, I guess, that's just essentially super, super evil. I mean, it's completely yeah. <laughs> it's completely backwards. I mean, I I've recently been looking more and more into just the true reality of how, for lack of better words, satanic the governments of our world literally are. And I, I don't say that from a personal Christianic ideology. I say that from a, that is the closest thing I can approximate the behavior to, to is the, the ideals of actual like dark occult, <laughs> um, you know, dark solar, uh, what, what you would call dark solar cults um, that have existed since Babylon or before seem to still be in the shadows running things. And so Satanism is just the, the modern guys of, of the lower levels of that. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy. Like suffering, injecting suffering to the world through animal cruelty seems to be exactly a big part of the purpose of the entire control structure as it is right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, from my perspective, this is something I've studied in massive detail, and uh, I can go, I can literally talk for weeks on it, really, but um, I think it helps to clarify the words Satan and Satan, Satanic, first of yeah, all. Yeah, sure, definitely. 
this was a conversation I was having online just a few days ago, and I'm not like the world's expert in language or religion or anything, but um, as I understand it, in Hebrew, for example, it means adversary, or I, I would translate that to enemy. But Opposer. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And and so, there's you know, people who support Satanism and so on, like they will often say, well, there's nothing inherently bad about that. It's just you're just opposing God. And look at the Bible. God wasn't really very good. Uh, so, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, a, you know, there's no problem. But I, I, I view, it, view it through a pure, like, soul mechanics perspective, and I view it from the perspective of, You've got heart and you've got heartlessness. And basically, if you have heartlessness, that manifests all the forms of evil that we experience. If you have heart, then you have courage, you have power, you have balance, you have healing and everything that we really need. So uh, I take it to that. And, you know, maybe somebody in a satanic church might actually have some heart and might not be heartless. So, you know, but equally people in a Christian church might be heartless. And it's just there's... You have to, for me, I have to feel it and I have to understand each individual case on that case by case basis. Um, and that's the only way we can really get to the full truth, I think. So, um, that, that's a really well put. And I would add to that that the, the adversarial aspect of the energy that it was known as, say, Shatan, I think, in, in Hebrew. Yeah. And then also in Egyptian astrotheology, it was. Typhon or set and so that internal force what it actually is is something that is trying to block you from your heart because your heart always knows what's right to do your heart always knows the compassionate as like always understands compassion always has empathy but if you foster the force within you that opposes that notion to do the right thing and to um, open your heart to others then that force can get so strong that you literally don't even feel your heart anymore. And it's completely overwhelmed by that opposer force. And then that force is no longer the opposer. It's what is controlling you. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, I would, I would take it down to the simple level of the heart is the bonding place between thought and emotion. Mm-hmm. And um, so if that is disrupted in some way, then you're going to have thoughts which lack empathy and you're going to have feelings which lack the guidance of thought. So in other words, you're going to and you have actions that are, corrupt in the world exactly the heart it as that balance point between thoughts and emotions that makes it the center of action if you're looking at it from the trivium based uh perspective which it it is completely that's that's why the that's why life itself manifests in green green being the color of the heart chakra i mean that's why there's so much green on the earth it's we're more meant to emerge and express from that frequency yeah, uh, yeah, I agree with that. It's also very interesting with the earth colors. If you, I mean, this is something that I, I did put some artwork together for, and it'll be in my book at some point. But if you view the earth from the side, let's say, and you, you see Australia, you know, it's very much a red, earthy kind of, most of it's desert, orange and red in the middle. You move vertically up, then you've got South Africa and that kind of area is lots of orangey earth and yellows and so on. Then you move up and up and up, you get more greens. And then the further you go up into Northern Europe, you've got a lot of like Scotland, you have heather and Sweden and these places, you see a lot of blue flowers and lakes and so on. And it's very much a reflection of the chakras, uh, the actual mm-hmm. vertical um alignment let's say or the layout of the planet planet and and the colors on the planet they're very interesting as i've been learning about the structure of the brain and the the uh, three parts of the brain the r complex the limbic system and the neocortex which is sort of the uh the reptile the 
mammalian and the human parts of the brain in a sense. Um, the, t- the teacher that I was uh, watching, if you've heard of Mark Passio before, yeah. So he, his material was going over actually how the earth itself is a- you're able to be mapped in a set of correspondences to the human brain and how the left brain religions of the world dominate in the West and the right brain religions, the submit submissive religion like Islam dominates in the East. And the, uh, I mean, Islam actually means like submit or submission to God. And anyway, there's a lot more to it than that. But as you map out the entire earth, there's a single point that you would map to the pineal gland. And it's actually in Hawaii where the, uh, the big volcano is there, the largest volcano on the planet, I think. Yeah, so, I've seen those maps of chakra maps on the planet, and I've seen different versions. I've seen some that say the third eye is at Glastonbury, some that say it's in Hawaii. I don't really know how they work that out. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I'd have to map it myself to know. I just, I mean, for me, I look at the patterns that I know where they came from, and I know how I came to them, and, and you know, scientifically even it makes sense. So, um, for example, um, you've got certain cultures like Africa and other, what would be the word people would use, like Aboriginal or tribal sort of um, groups who are more indigenous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think we're all indigenous in a sense, but it makes sense. Yeah. I I don't disagree with that, but um, I think that they're very often more body oriented and more non-domesticated. How about that? Yeah. That's another good one. (laughs) Um, But I I think that they're often more body oriented and more emotional and more into movement and rhythm and vibration Whereas, uh, let's say, lighter-skinned, white-skinned people, pink-skinned, so on, um, tend to be more mental and less body-oriented. So they're moving around less. Like if you look at a group of – a good example is like even in America, a group of churchgoers, you know, a, a white-skinned church group, often they're just sat there like robots, like statues, not moving. Hmm. And then in a darker-skinned place, they might be dancing around and, you know, like moving around. So It's very, so, very good point. That's, 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 I mean, for me, that, that's demonstrating the upper and the lower chakras, basically. So the lighter skin people are more focused in the upper chakras, the darker skin more focused in the lower chakras. And what we need to bring back. Indigenous people tend to be a little more in the middle um, in a lot of places as far as skin tone. Yeah, as well. Yeah. And also There's a lot of places anyway. Often more, I mean, the tribes often are more heart-centered. They, they have a more wider understanding of the heart, let's say, than uh, Europeans and um the sort of the, the upper chakra cultures, let's say. So for any of this to actually resonate, I think one should be familiar with the hermetic, but also really just universal principle, the law of correspondences. Would you say that that's what we're describing here? The, the as above, so below nature of all facets of reality? Uh, I think it would depend on the exact definition that, that you have for that. Um, I mean, definitely things are reflective and uh, there's, there's a kind of fractal um, pattern that's playing out on the planet. Um, I think these things are rooted in seeds energetically that predate the planet itself. So it's almost like the planet is a stage for a script that was written energetically a long, 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 long time ago or before time was even measured. So uh, there's definitely an above and below correspondence, but and a, and a, and a um, reciprocity between the different um, polarities, let's say, uh, within the energy body of an individual and, and everything else as well. Uh, but there are definitely aspects to that which complicate things, let's say. It's a very big subject. 
yeah, you can say it's it's very difficult to uh, exactly figure out what it means that um, the all is within each one and each one is within the all. It's very... I yeah. yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's, it, gets, it gets very complicated because a lot of spiritual teachers talk about destroying your ego and saying that your ego is what separates you from your real self and things like that. But for me, ego just means I. It just means me. That's it. So either I am me as a human or I'm me in non-physical form, perhaps one with everything, or maybe I can be both at the same time. But it doesn't mean so I need to get rid of my ego as such. It just means you need to clear out the garbage that's in your ego. Agreed. It's back to what we were saying. It's not about controlling and just dominating and destroying that other part of yourself. And it's about unifying and becoming sovereign because all aspects of the self are aligned with what your true will actually is. So that's sort of to go back to what we were talking about with the uh, dark controllers that are influencing a lot of people who are not thinking for themselves. And all of us influenced from birth and had to choose our way out of it if we we're going to get out of it. Uh, big part of that is what you could call the new age delusion, which is I don't mean like a delusion like everybody that's involved with anything quote unquote new agey is delusional, but I, I would say I mean it like a deluge. There's just been a deluge of what you call new age information poured on people and a lot of it has been very helpful to the awakening of humanity. And what I would say about that is you have to watch out for traps within the uh within the honeypot, I guess. <laughs> like because a lot of teachers while they might say a lot of stuff that makes sense to you, if they start telling you something like to completely repress or destroy your ego or that only the spiritual matters and that you should completely disregard your physical body, any, anything that is not rooted in a balanced and harmonized mind, body, spirit, uh, unity is, and your ego is a part of that. Anything that is, you know, preaching an imbalanced thing would be, I guess, a, just as dangerous as whatever ideology you came out of before. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, and that whole preponderance or um, bias towards the spirit is really what has caused, it's underlying the causes of many of the wars and um, annihilations and genocides that have happened on the planet, you know, where you've got entire cultures attempted to be deleted from the planet, like Aboriginal and tribal cultures, largely because they embody that opposite polarity to the spirit and many of these spiritual so-called entities want to get rid of that because they don't like the um they don't knowing they don't like the truth about who they are they don't like feeling the real feelings that these people represent and feel and 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 they don't and they basically they just want to start again in a sense or worse uh and so they'll they'll put they hate that. natural law they hate people that live in harmony with nature and want to destroy that because they want to be above those type of laws and rules that's what it seems like yeah but it's also they have a lack of self-acceptance in that in that to be balanced means integrating all these parts as we as we've said and there are some parts that they just don't want to integrate so um mm -hmm. you know, there's lots of spiritual teachings where they'll say you must rise above the animal tendencies and uh you know don't pay attention to your lower chakras and all this kind of stuff but it's kind of like well you'll die if you do that you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you will though your body will will take that as a cue and it, like if your spirit doesn't want to be in your body, your body will get the hint and you will start, you will literally start to die. Yeah. Whether that manifests as you're not eating enough and you're just sitting there lost in meditation all day or um, who knows, some other program that could come 
emerging from your DNA. But what, what I would also like to uh, touch back on is the they that I just brought up only exists because of the fact that as a collective, each of us individually are still in that place of non-self-acceptance. They, yeah. they, there wouldn't be an external they manifesting in that fashion. It's all, that's, that's what it, the law of correspondence is, is really trying to point at in, in hermetism, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, we're all one at the end of the day or the beginning of the day or any moment in the day. So <laughs> um, we can try and, you know, separate and say, you know, draw a circle around this group or this individual. But ultimately, yeah, they're all facets of the same universal or universal diamond or however you want to describe it. Uh, and actually, there's a very nice um, image which I was given through one channeling, which basically described a disco ball like you would have in a disco mirror ball with all the different reflections on it and they said imagine that you turn that inside out so all of the re reflectors are on the inside and then you put a light in the middle of that inside it so basically every single small square mirror inside that ball is an individual reflection of the light in the center they're all unique and they've all got a different reflection in them but they're all coming from the same source and that's really a way of describing each individual human or being in creation in a sense so Absolutely. I've had the same conceptualization, not necessarily that it was a disco ball, but that we are all the same. We are all reflections of the same light looking back at the same thing, but from a slightly different degree of position. And that's the manifest differences within us, it seems. Yeah, there's one extra complication to that, which is when you come into the mechanics of all of this, which is that those individual reflector, reflectors or beings have uh, a magnetic component which holds light. So that's how we're able to be held in creation and that's how we have attraction and repulsion from different things. Um, that magnetic component can hold light in place within us. So that's how the spirit is held in the body uh, and collectively we might call that the soul. Um, the problem with that in a sense is that you can take in light which is unloving um, and you know not every not every thought, not every emanation from source, let's say, or whatever you want to call it, God, um, is loving, let's say, or has been historically. And, and so many people, exactly, <laughs> many people hold, hold that unloving light in them and they don't know, they don't understand that it's even in there. Uh, and, I mean, if you look through spiritual groups and, and love groups and oneness groups on Facebook, for example, um, they're nearly always talking about a battle between light and dark and saying that, you know, we must turn to the light and all this kind of stuff. But I always comment, I say, well, not light is loving. A nuclear bomb emits light, but there's, there's no love in a nuclear bomb. A nuclear bomb required a huge amount of intellect to build it, but there was no love present in the intellect that built it. Um, and, and so you have to understand that we need to be able to discern between loving and unloving light. And ironically, in a sense, it's through our dark parts that we can actually do that. Through the, through the capacity to receive and hold and intuit and feel the feminine, through the feminine aspects of us, basically, um, we can understand what is loving and what isn't. So there's, there's all these different sort of nuances that are being missed by most people, I think, at the moment. Um, We're definitely in an, a, a light imbalance in the world right now, actually. It's not the imbalance of the world. It's so ironic that that's the way that a lot of spiritual traditions will talk about it and say the darkness is what must be battled. But in reality, on a metaphysical level, there's a higher amount of light than dark manifest on this earth. And that, what I mean by that is like yang energy or masculine energy is taking the dominant place. I was actually talking about this with some friends last night. And uh, I was thinking about how blackness itself is the uh, absence of colored or light being reflected from something. 
So something that was truly completely black, there would be no ability of anything to reflect back off of it. There, yeah. It wouldn't be shiny in any capacity. So I thought about it and I was like, maybe the, the masculine energy wants to be more dominant than the, the black energy, I guess, which is really just a canvas because it wants to have more freedom to express in a wider range. Whereas if the more black there is, there's just these like void voids of punctuation between the light, I guess. It's very, very, uh, that's very hard to conceptualize actually. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I have actually been uh, given uh, some ways to understand this very effectively, which is to think in terms of darkness receiving light. So um, if you think of yin as being receptive and yang as being outward expressive, um, so the, the darkness is receiving the light and there should be a reciprocity between the two where the energy flows backwards and forwards and that's the heart. So um, let's say, you know, I mean, if you look on, all of this is always reflected on the earth as well. So you have so many cases of um, historically of, let's say, wife abuse, you know, men abusing their wives and um, lots of female violence, uh, violence being directed towards women from men and so on. Not to say that it doesn't always happen the other way around or it doesn't always it doesn't happen the other way around, but it seems to be there's been an imbalance, you know, masculine attacking feminine, let's say historically. Um, and that's just the same as the spirit attacking the, the feeling parts. It's just it's, it's basically yang attacking yin. Um, and that is in essence because of the heartlessness and the fact that the yang, kind of what you're pointing at, um, wants to be free, wants to move, but doesn't understand that it needs the balance point of the darkness to hold it and to, to care for it and guide it basically in, in its process of exploring and evolving. Um, and so, what that represents too, that uh, yin energy is a, um, it's not controllable or controlled. Yeah. It just, it manifests at, like you don't control whether or not you have an emotion about something. If you are, if your heart is open, then you just feel what's present. Right. Yeah. And, and you don't, you don't get to decide what that is necessarily. That's almost like, it's like, reality is composed of randomness and predetermined law in a sense. So it's like the, uh, the law being the, the yang and the um, randomness being the yin, the law is trying, the, it's trying to like make rules that prevent the randomness from occurring. That's what the mystery traditions that have been passed down and now corrupted that it still exist today that are um, running in the background as, as I call them dark solar cults, what they tend to symbolize in their imagery, for example, skull and bones society, uh, is the active principle, which is the bones crossed, and the um, mental principle of thought, which is the skull, but, but there's no feminine or feeling um, at all present in that symbology. So they're, try they're, they're essentially trying to destroy care within us and that is what, well, that's what the opposer that we're describing wants to do, destroy your care about things. So um, I guess what, what that would lead to for, for me to suggest to anybody listening is that you should care a lot about things. <laughs> that's how, what you care about is what, is what creates that law of attraction manifestation that you touched on earlier. It is about true care. That is the generative principle itself. That's what the whole you wouldn't be existing in this reality if you didn't care to. <laughs> Precisely, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, people say money makes the world go around. I would say it's desire that makes the world go around. Um, so if you're suppressing your desires or your your mind is holding you back, let's say that's that's really what's stopping you from 
in most cases, to some extent, that's what's going to be holding you back more than external phenomena, let's say. So this actually reminds me of something else I was talking about with some friends last night. Um, how familiar are you with tarot? Not hugely, a little Not bit. Not hugely familiar. Never okay, used so it, I've just been recently starting to explore tarot as a way of understanding the Kabbalistic tree of life. And you're able to map the major arcana of the tarot into the sphere, the sephiroth or spheres of the tree of life. Are you familiar with the tree of life? Yeah. So the, yeah. the top sphere of the tree of life, the highest emanation, Keter, the crown, right? In the traditional tarot, the, you're able to map that major arcana to a macro and a microcosmic version of the tree of life, if you're familiar with those two concepts, the internalized and the externalized. Mm -hmm. And on the internal microcosmic tree of life, the Kabbalah puts, or the, uh, the tarot puts the card of uh, sovereignty or um, justice as the Kater position. But the, the occultist from the 20th century, Aleister Crowley, created what is a very popular deck of tarot cards still to this day called the Thoth deck. And in his deck, he, he actually swapped that justice or sovereignty, uh, emperor imagery type of card from Kater and put in what was previously called the strength card, but what he changed to be depicted as the lust or desire concept. So I, I guess that's just a roundabout way of me asking, do you think that the highest high, the the Kater sphere of emanation of the of the source is actually ruled by desire, as you say, or by um, I guess justice. Which that what the imagery of the justice card it, it depicts balance. The guy's holding a scale. He has a crown on his head depicting sovereignty, and he's sitting on a throne. So it's sort of like. It's, it's, the question is, is that depicting control or is it depicting true left-right balance? And what do you think about that? <laughs> I think that nearly everything from the historic, the history of this planet with regards to these kind of ideas um, is usually basing itself on control rather than real balance. It just has a presentation of appearing to be something to do with balance uh, so that people view it and see something good about it and think, oh, yeah, that's good, I can work with that, uh, without really realizing that they are actually opening themselves up to being controlled. So it's just, to me, there's many, many, um, as a good phrase that I'll borrow from a guy called Max Spears, who uh, departed from us last year. I don't know if you've heard of him, but um, he, he came up with a phrase, uh, thought prisons. He basically said, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of thought prisons on this planet that have been put here for us to get locked into and to ensure that we are unable to, let's say, dislodge um, the power hierarchies of the planet. And, uh, and so that's the same, you know, you can see it through corporate advertising, Coca-Cola adverts, you name it, basically. It's, it's just, it's all there to uh, entice you in and um, basically cause your own trap. Uh, because through, you know, we are creators. We, there's a karma, a law of karma, or if you want to call it that, operating in the universe. Um, it's not so much about um, payments, like it's not so much about um, punishment or anything like that. Karma to me is a, a process of balancing and um, drawing experience for you to learn from, basically. But because of that, the people that want to overpower other people and understand karma to some extent will do whatever they can to get you to limit yourself. And that basically is something to be very aware of. How I've been understanding karma lately is not so much that it's a direct 
perfected ratio of you do this to somebody, you get that directly back instantaneously. Although a lot of times it does work like that in sometimes instantaneous ways. But to me, it seems like it is what you're talking about as a, it's an, it's a balance aspect and the worse out of balance your behavior is and the, the more heartless or um, damaging it is to yourself and others, the less you will be, the less your frequency will be able to influence the larger reality. It's like a built-in rule that until you have certain levels of understanding that allow you to act from a heart-centered place, you're not going to be able to do the, the magic, so to speak. Yeah, Although you will be able to do forms of magic and attraction that are, are meant to wake you up from your heartlessness, and, and that usually indicates some kind of big painful experience coming your way because it has to dislodge all of that crap that's uh, blocking that, that chakra with some sort of big impact or force typically. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're drawing reflections all the time, basically. And so whatever you hold inside yourself, you're going to meet in the outer world. Um, I think uh, it's important to understand also that we're experiencing life. So if you are aligned in a way that is anti-life, then you're aligning yourself away from continuing to be here. So therefore, um, anything that you're doing, it's like you're tuning yourself out of the radio station of life itself. Uh, and, and so if you're um, destructive in your ways and out of balance, then you're you're sort of basically erasing yourself from from this planet at the very least one way or another so uh, there's only that can't that's not something that can be built you can't build an empire out of that you can try and that's what many people have tried to do but eventually it just falls apart and they end up you know trying to destroy everything basically and that's kind of what we're seeing on the planet at the moment well it's uh said by the ancients to be a cyclical thing that humanity is always going through and it kind of makes sense if you're going back to the law of correspondences looking at how um, solar bodies, solar system bodies orbit each other and have uh, apparent declines and rising periods. And, um, you know, we've probably gone through similar understandings that we're finally reconnecting to on this planet in the past. But I do think, um, you know, since we're in an infinite universe the this is a very novel unique time to live in and despite the fact that wisdom and truth has always existed and we're only you know just now maybe as a society starting to finally reconnect to it and wake up to it the the form in which our creation is taking and the art the artistry that we can bring out of our heart because heart has the word art in it that is going to be unique and wonderful and the the most profound epiphany that we will actually wind up taking out of this life will be the thing that we're most proud of creating individually, not any other aspect of uh, what group you advanced in or what material object that you, you got, or even, even certain experiences that are peak experiences. Those are still, those are still kind of rooted in, a narrative and a self that will eventually fade as you as a soul move on to new identities and new selves. But what we create here, what we actually build and put our energy into a container that can be remaining here, that I believe is something that we will be most proud of possibly whenever we are in that in between lives phase. 
Sure. If, yeah. it, if it's something, especially if it's something that many other people benefit from, uh, learn from, or enjoy, or draw awe from, any of those things. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel that the heart is so central, obviously, in everything, really. Uh, that, like the word earth is an anagram of heart. Uh, and that's why also the we, on Eureka, I have the sort of subname, the Earth Heart Community, is just to really draw people's attention to that. Um, and so I would take it beyond the level of just discussing what's or thinking about what we're proud of and more thinking in terms of how do we survive, basically? How do we even continue at all? You know, we have to we have to have that heart presence just to even continue, full stop. So, you know, yeah, you're going to create beautiful um, experiences from being heart-centered and having that balance. But without that, you're not going to be here at all. You're not going to be able to carry on full stop. So it's kind of, it's that kind of drive for me. It's, it's a little bit sort of less abstract and a more pure kind of mechanics of just existence itself. Um, well, that's your community though, that you're building is a representation of what it is I'm describing, you know, like, yeah. I guess maybe pr proud isn't the word I would have chosen in retrospect, but fulfillment in life, you know, be Yes. yes, we want to we want to create things that allow us to continue on, and we we should be thinking well beyond ourselves and imagining how our actions impact many generations to come, and uh, you know that can guide that can guide our creations. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what I found through through working online, as I have done for a few years with these kind of subjects, um, is that every potential, um, let's say, how can I put this? Um, almost every desire, every thought about these subjects exists in different people already on the planet. So, you know, on one end, you've got people who have no interest in this at all. Basically, they're just interested in whatever it is they're interested in, football or, you know, whatever it is. On the other end, you've got people who are absolutely obsessed with this and, and literally, you know, they're, they're probably quite healthy, but sometimes you can push yourself over the edge with that direction as well. So you kind of like you chase balance too much to be balanced. So it's a little bit of kind of a paradox there. But um, I think that uh, ultimately we're headed to a place or, or a reality on Earth where gradually all of this becomes so obvious through through the, let's say, not I don't want to use the word split, but we already have huge splits on the planet in terms of different groups who, you know, one group has a, a billion dollars or one individual has a billion dollars on you know and then our whole nation has almost nothing um but you might start to find that that nation who allegedly has almost nothing once they heal certain things and figure certain things out are actually much happier and more successful than the country that has billions and billions of dollars um so eventually this is going to become very obvious and this is kind of why i like the internet because um although we have lots of arguments there's lots of issues with it people fighting over controlling it eventually it's going to be part of the let's say the pair of glasses that helps us all see each other in a clear way that's how i see it i actually see it as a outward manifestation of our inherent telepathy itself because yeah. they tried to rep they there's they we consciousness whatever the imbalance manifests as has tried to repress our ability to internally connect to one another and you know that natural telepathy that humans have that many indigenous peoples still are able to perform uh, having gone away for a short time because it's because the truth is that we actually have that ability it just reemerged in a different form that we could accept under the rigid belief structure box that we were trapped in that said no exactly. telepathy. So it just had yeah. to come through as technology. That's what technology is, is our spirit returning, our spiritual ability of being able to 
create anything we imagine returning to us, but we also have to make sure that what it is that we're imagining isn't something that's so out of balance that it's destroying people and destroying the planet. I mean, I, I still use an iPhone that came from a factory that was, I'm sure, very, full of suffering. There's, there's many, while we're talking about all these high spiritual concepts, there's still many changes left to be made in my life that I am um, constantly reminded of. And I guess the key is about staying in your heart, knowing that those changes need to be made and accepting the opportunities to change as soon as you are able to make them happen. Exactly, yeah. I mean, for me, I, when, I, when I was a teenager, I sold mobile phones uh, before when they were kind of a new thing. I had a job, just a you know, shop job. didn't know anything about the downsides to the technology or anything at all about it. When I found out, I was really shocked. Um, you know, the fact that minerals and so on are often made by uh, even slave children in Africa and so on. Uh, and then you've got all the problems in the factories in Asia and blah, blah, blah. So it just goes on and on and on. The whole, the whole chain of production is... is kind of brutal really so i actually smashed my phone with a hammer when i when i found that um and was very happy and i felt happier you know since i've not used the phone for a long time really hardly ever um and we don't have wi-fi here that's a whole other topic um but um i think yeah it's just it, it pays to be i think um it pays to be what's the word bold you know in in making your decisions and um, you know, what one day might seem like a big step, like smashing your iPhone, you know, in a few months' time actually seems like a very small step. It was like, well, that was just that was nothing compared to what I'm doing now. So, uh, <laughs> for me, quitting Facebook was smashing my phone. Okay, <laughs> and, sure. but, uh, I'll let you know when I do smash my phone, though. That's on the agenda. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we can start a channel on YouTube just for smashing people's phones. But, that um, sounds great. <laughs> and then my Wi Fi router next. <laughs> Exactly, I mean, I'm yeah. not even using Wi-Fi right now. I mean, my computer's plugged into Ethernet. It's a much better way of working in the first place. Uh, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi and just cell signals do impact your physical body. And they're carried on the same frequency band that your consciousness is, on, is emanating from your electromagnetic system on. They're extremely interfering with uh, yeah. all kinds of functionality of your system so um actually started carrying this piece of organite here in the same pocket that i carry the devil phone <laughs> and <laughs> it's uh, it's been great because this creating a coherent uh, frequency field around itself completely blocks and shields me from or it seems to completely block and shield me from the cell phone radiation because where before i could feel it in my pocket and like even after I took it out, I could still feel this um, tingling discomfort, almost like I'd been cooked a little bit, essentially. Whenever I carry this in the same pocket, I don't, I don't get that uh, discomfort anymore. So it's got to be doing okay. something good. I started actually recently talking to him, working with a guy who runs a shop um, that basically sells EMF shielding products. Uh, because he, he the, the key word for it is electro-hypersensitive, basically, where people become very ill often as a result of just being around the kind of fields that most other people aren't bothered by. Probably um, heart open people are more susceptible. Possibly. Yeah. I'm not hundred percent sure, but, um, but I know that he and many other people literally can't, they can't get on a plane. They can't go into cities or anything like that. And he actually lives out in a forest now. Um, and so I've been learning about this subject quite a lot recently. And, and we have, um, you know, the 5g technology due to be coming out in the near future. 
Um, and that's, I'm not, I haven't seen the specification for that, but as I understand it, it's dramatically more, um, dramatically more bandwidth. Uh, presumably a higher energy output. I, I'm not 100 sure, but I'm guessing that's it's going to be much higher. That's usually how it works. Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm thinking that we're going to be seeing many, many more problems arising from this technology in the near future. Well, um, you combine the increase of energy output with uh, also an increase on the timeline of exposure. Yeah, as well, yeah. So um, I'm happy to be living where I am right now where we don't have very good cell reception and I'm just doing what I can to spread awareness of this subject. There's actually a really good documentary. I haven't seen all of it, but I've seen bits of it. Called, I think it's called Mobilize and it's all about this subject and, and they have like pictures of a guy uh, who had tumors on the side of his head that were shaped like a cell phone, for example. Um, uh. and lots of footage and scientific data and so on on, on the risks involved and... Um, it's just shocking to me how few people really still understand even the basics of this, even though... Denial. Yeah, it is denial, but it's also it's, it's organized denial as well, like in the sense that um, the governments of, of the West, at least, analyzed this subject a long time ago. Um, originally, when the cell phones were released, they didn't really look into this. They just said, oh, well, we know that microwaves can cook things, so these things don't cook your brain, so therefore they're safe. Um, and then <laughs> later on, you know, it kind of became more apparent that there's more to it than that. And they did more testing into it and they found, oh, yeah, well, it can cause DNA damage and, and cancer and all these other problems. So they passed legislation that basically says um, cell phone manufacturers are obliged to write in the manual for their phones. Do not hold this phone. Do not operate this phone um, closer than 10 or 20 inches from your body, something like that. Um, and <laughs> You must use a headset, you know, plug, plug a headphone system into your phone and use it sort of at a distance. Um, and apparently, I haven't checked this myself, but I read this from, you know, pretty good sources, basically saying that that is in the instruction manuals of phones, but it's in a tiny, tiny, tiny font. So almost no one's going to ever read it. Um, well, no asked, one even looks at instruction manuals, dude. There's that as well. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's, it's just sad, really. That, um, it's kind of like how on vaccines, on the insert to a vaccine, it'll tell you that there's mercury in there, but no one reads that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the worst things I've seen recently, my dad was in hospital, he had meningitis, um, and he was very ill. And basically, lots. I was in, in the hospital ward, lots of older people there, just full of people, very ill people. Um, and they were being given these fluid drinks, basically, sort of nutritional, small bottles of nutritional mixture. And I was looking at them, I was a little bit sceptical, because I don't trust the pharmaceutical industry at all. Um, and I looked at the bottles, and, and there's no ingredients on them. So I thought, oh, that's interesting. So I went home and looked up, you know, what is this all about? Found that the, the mixture is made by Siemens, which is a company that was involved in Nazi Germany um, a long time ago. And basically, you know, now they make many things, but that sort of raised a little bit of a red flag. You know, I'm thinking, well, you know, that's not necessarily who I want making, you know, a health drink. So then I looked at the ingredients list, and number two in the ingredients list was fluoride. And I'm thinking, well, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, there's no medical justification for that. Um, there's no need for it. From Never. So, and there's no instruction. There's no, it's a neurotoxin. Uh, exactly, yeah. So, and even if, even if you believe the stories that say that it's good for your teeth, drinking it is not going to fix your teeth, and you're getting it in the water possibly or in your toothpaste anyway. So, you know, there's no justification for it. The fact that the ingredients aren't on the bottle is another red flag. It's like, well, you know, what's going on? So... Basically, you know, I raised this with the people in the hospital and, and they agreed, yeah, that shouldn't be in there, but is the policy going to change? No, of course it's not. The problem is, you know, these things are being done by, as you were pointing to, the people in the shadows, the small percentage who are 
attempting to control society like you know farmers on a, on a human farm basically social um, engineers they call it that's their polite word but it's it's really social darwinism and that yeah. is a really evil concept in itself the idea yeah. that the idea that you're gonna just screw other people over because you have the evolutionary right if they don't stop you <laughs> like that's crazy yeah and i mean it shows just how crazy they are by the fact that they try and justify this by saying they're the chosen people they're the they're the successful ones but then it's like well what's the markers for that well you're all really stupid you don't know all the things we know but, but why is that well that's because the school system that we create for you doesn't teach you all of this stuff so it's like right so we were born and we went into your system and then we failed to learn anything good because you didn't tell us you know you made sure we went to learn it and now you're saying we're stupid because we didn't find out the things you helped for us so it's kind of you know it's it's, it's pretty all-round evil isn't it i think Oh man, as soon as they bring you in to the dimension, they circumcise you. They're just like, what's up? We're going to do shit to you that you don't like. And you're going to just have to deal with that. And you have no control over it. And then a few years later, or not even a few years later, probably just not long later at all. Then they give you some shots that you don't like. And then a few yeah. years later after that, you get more shots. I actually just came to the realization recently that, that I was personally traumatized by being vaccinated as a young child and have been repressing the awareness of it for years. And um, I, I don't know what steps I might need to take to internally finish healing that, but uh, it definitely helped to just be aware that that was something that was a source of my um, anxiety in my life at different times. Not that I'm a high anxiety person by any means, but just um, I had a really irrational fear of needles in general my entire life and I definitely think that that came from being terrified traumatized by it as a as a kid so um you know that's why a lot of people are not able to act in the world and stand up against this stuff is because their their unconscious mind does know what's going on and does know how backwards everything is but they've been so conditioned to be submissive and afraid of the controllers that they won't even admit to themselves that that's what they are, that they're submissive and afraid. They'll just say, yeah. oh, no, things are fine. That's just how things are. And that's just how people are. Human nature is just to be at war all the time. No, human nature is a blank slate. Human nature is what we are becoming in the present moment. And that's all that it is. And unfortunately, right now, human nature is emerging in an ugly way in some places. But I also think that it's emerging and flowering into beautiful higher consciousness in in many many other places yeah yeah i mean the word nature in french and the root of it latin from latin as i remember um relates to birth basically nature is is, is natia is birth so really what's natural is what's birthed so if you understand that you're birthing yourself in every new moment then what's natural is you <laughs> you're creating that so therefore it's not really fixed it's just really what, what when they say oh that's human nature really i think what they're saying is that's that's the, the injury collection of injuries, which we've, we've got at the moment. That's the but people think human nature is fixed. They don't realize that they're generating it every moment. That's what I want to get across. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, um, I think with the vaccines, there's a very interesting point. I mean, I was thinking about that myself earlier on today. Um, once something gets into your system deliberately in a way that they've designed with adjuvants and other things that are intended to allow certain processes to happen in your body, it's like, there's, it's like your body has all these defenses and they've used this technology to bypass all the defenses. So that in itself is quite 
disturbing for your sort of inner psyche and inner body to know that all these things that are meant to keep it safe suddenly they don't do anything and you've agreed to allow allow that to happen allegedly when you're a kid you don't even agree to it no i know yeah but i mean you've agreed to it in the sense that you didn't try and attack the people giving it to you but you know that's actually the, the biggest i ever freaked out in my entire life when i was five years old before getting shots for going to public school for the first time i specifically did i do remember that i did fight with all my strength as a five-year-old to resist being mm. taken in there and i the, literally that is the one largest impactful moment of fear and trauma of my entire life. And it didn't, it didn't even click until like last night, whenever I was talking okay. to a friend about uh, circumcision actually. So anyway, um, that that's, what's crazy is I did, I do remember resisting yeah. and they still force you, you know, not yeah. that that matters. Like oh, I was so tough. I fought them off. I fought off 10 doctors. <laughs> that's not really how it was, but um, it's, it's just something that people, I guess, should, if they're going to have children, they should, we, I don't want to tell people what they should do, but I think you should really reconsider whether or not you allow uh, things to be done to your child without you knowing what it is exactly that's being done. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think um, the information is available for people to understand exactly the mechanics of what's happening with vaccines and how to really properly work with the immune system to actually strengthen it in a correct way uh, that works with the body instead of against it. And it's just a question of people doing their own research and not blindly believing what they're told to the establishment um, hierarchies and corporations and so on, who, you know, we know very well have proved time and time again to not have most people's interests at heart. Well, that's what Eureka is for. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah. So uh, I'm actually need to make YouTube videos at some point, but I've been, uh, I just, I'm very busy. It's only, as we were saying before, or as I was saying, it's only me working on this project. So um, it, it takes a lot of my time and um, I have had people come and say they wanted to work with me in the past and for whatever reason they were drawn away um, I'm not you know that's a, a different subject but I am open to if anyone out there you know has technical skills PHP coding skills and so on they can get in touch with me check out Eureka and maybe we can uh, work together a lot of the code that I'm using is open source so in fact most of it is it's only a small amount that's specific for Eureka so if anybody wants to have their own social site or just help social sites in general um, and work with me on this, then this is a good opportunity to, to do that because it's you're helping a lot of people by doing that. I actually use the same open source code as Minds.com uses, um, what they originally used, uh, which is called ELGG, um, which is the website's ELGG.org. And that's like an open source social networking framework, which is used by many, many sites around the world. Um, and so if I make something, then it gets shared with all of them and they make something, often they share it back with me, so we sort of grow together. Uh, which is also has been a really good experience for me, having come from kind of a corporate world of you know every all the code secret. And when I left university, I'd probably seen one or two pages of real source code in my whole life. You know, it's not until you actually get into the world. This was before the internet was big. Um, uh, that, that it wasn't until I got into job and things I really saw how computers really worked. To be honest, but now we have the benefit of being able to share all of this stuff, and it's it feels much better to me. It's, it's really how I prefer to work. So. That's cool. I would love to see some of our audience come over to Eureka and make a profile. And um, I've been intending to be more active on there myself. My my plan currently is to just mirror my blog posts from Minds over to there for the time being. Oh, okay. My social media time is very limited, really. I'll, all I have much ability to do is, uh, time constraint-wise, is to post my content and hope that people are able to see it. And that's why Minds has been so great because there's the ability to boost your content. And I've seen 
uh, seems like a increase in activity over the last few weeks to me. Um, it's getting more and more active. It's a, it's a great place to start um, Eureka and minds both for getting out of the, what you would call thought, thought traps, like we were saying before yeah. that Facebook is that Twitter really is. They're really just advertisement and psychological trauma delivery systems. That's what they're for <laughs> and propaganda, yeah. I guess, but that's the same thing as psychological trauma, really. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very clear, concise way of saying it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, because I've been working on the my site for a few years. Mines was also active for a few years before most people have ever heard of them, and, and I knew them through because we we're using the same software. Um, and Bill actually a while ago, a few years ago, did offer me a chance to work with them there, and I was, um, you know, I was interested to do that. But at the time, they weren't getting a lot of traffic, and I wasn't getting a lot of traffic, and I just thought, well, it's better for me to put my time into my site. Um, and then shortly after that, they got all the exposure through the mainstream media and uh, blew up, basically. So I was, it was kind of uh, an interesting time for me because I was kind of thinking, oh, you know, should I work with them? I don't know. But, um, in the don't end of the doubt day, yourself, man. Your, your site has something that mine doesn't have, which is a dedication to natural law principles. And, that's true. And you put that very front and center with your website. And if that means that certain people aren't willing to use it because they feel like they don't believe what you're expressing there, then, I mean, they weren't very likely to uh, communicate in a nonviolent way anyway, probably. So that's basically what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, mean, it, you like, don't doubt that a small network of people sharing information is just as powerful as a, like as a large network of people sharing not as good information because a higher vibrational being in general has a much larger impact on the rest of the rea- the external reality at large than yeah. a lower frequency being. So, you know, if, if what your design does is filter out some beings that are not super high vibrational, it doesn't hurt anything because you have a core of higher vibrational beings able to impact change and in sharing information with each other. It's just as, it's just as valuable in my opinion. And yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it, keep it up. I had been using steam it as my second um, social media resource, but um, I'm not, I'm not liking how that works as it turns out. I like the idea of cryptocurrency over, uh, dollars but with steemit what what i found is that people are tending to use it in the most exploitive way possible to generate as much of the cryptocurrency not use it in a way to share information and spread truth <laughs> some yeah. people are there trying to sh- share truth no doubt but um it's, it seems it's all around centering around the currency a little too much mines doesn't have that feel so much but there is a lot of conflicting really polarized uh viewpoints on mines right now but yeah your site there's no currency or profit motive whatsoever to anybody using it and i like that aspect of it more than the other two for that very reason yeah Yeah, i mean for me like mines um i like mines the problem for me with mines at the moment is that um because you can boost your posts with points as you can on facebook just by paying the money um it basically has the same problem that facebook has which is that you're for me i'm getting a lot of things in my stream that i don't want to see um, and, and a lot of things for people I specifically definitely don't want to see. Uh, and it's kind of like, you know, Bill has explained, well, that's a good thing that brings people together. It means you get to see things you wouldn't normally see. And I can understand that. But at the same time, it turns out that, 
you know, there's a large group of people in on the planet that are doing things I don't want to have anything to do with. So it, it's, yeah, it's like it's, straight up neo-Nazis on there and people like gas all Muslims, crazy shit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same on, you know, it's not mine's fault. It's just the internet, but yeah. Um, Steam it uh, was also one that I liked the idea of up to a point um, until I realized that it seems to me that because the founders of the system basically have the most currency because they were you know there to begin with when it had no value, they were able to get, an, I don't know how much they've got, but they've obviously got a massive amount of currency. Their votes count for much, much more than everyone else. They called them whales on Steam it, and yeah. it, like everybody else is minnows. And then if you have a decent amount of power, then you're a dolphin. But okay, I, yeah. I don't like that either. It does centralize yeah. power to an extent. And yeah. um, people are just trying to get whales' attention on posts to try to get them to upvote it. And whenever whenever I'll make a post that I put a lot of time into, and there's an, a podcast episode and detailed episode description with links and topics and videos and imagery all, all woven in there, uh, I'll frequently get 200 upvotes, but not a single comment and not a single view off of the post. So that's yeah. all people just trying to generate the income by clicking upvote on stuff. And they're not actually engaging the content to begin with. And you know, I'm not butthurt about not getting people to watch my podcast, but it just seems like <clears throat> antithetical to what social media is. Yeah. What it has become is all about generating currency. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's, it's interesting in that, like I, I listened to an interview with the creators of Steemit and they were explaining how one of the guys there was an economics student. Um, he worked on, they worked on this site for five years designing it and basically wanted to create an anarcho-capitalist kind of way of solving problems using the internet and rewarding people for doing that. And it all sounds really great. Um, but then the actual reality of how it's played out is it really just seems to be a carbon copy almost of the capitalist system we have uh, offline. Uh, One percent has all the resources. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and it devalues, it completely defeats the whole object of the whole system. Whereas you say people, it's almost like they're just corporatizing themselves and productizing themselves just to actually get money and not actually add any value to the system. So um, when I post things on there, probably 90% of them I got no no money from at all. The ones that I did get money from were, to be fair, they were posts that were solving problems, like things that a large number of people have a problem and, and this kind of solves that problem. So, you know, it's, it's a bit of both. It does work well in some ways, but at the same time, it has a long way to go to be perfected, I think. I agree. I don't want to just, I don't, I'm definitely not bashing Steemit as a concept, but those yeah. are those are issues worth pointing out. And eventually I would love it if humanity can move past the idea of currency, because in a way that's just symbolic of that third party or middleman nature of certain parts of ourselves in this reality that are essentially exploiting and um, skimming off the top from every little transaction of energy that exists in our, in our system. And that's sort of, that's sort of what you call vampirism in a way. And we, we don't want to be vampiric and we don't want to be exploited by vampiric entities. And the very nature of currency does tend to draw that as a side effect. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's also important to remember with language, it's very interesting. The words you can find surrounding money and so on. You've got yeah. currency, which is like current, electrical, current. and bank, um, like you've got the river bank. So in, in other words, the, the flow of Flow. The yeah, so, you know, banks being bailed out like you're in a boat. Um, you know, lots of people have talked about these things. Um, but it's very well understood by the people that design the system that 
the money is just a reflection of electricity and magnetism and so on, and it's, and it's basically just a symbol, a token, reflecting that flow of electromagnetism. Um, the generative energy of the universe, which comes from the heart, and that's why in the United States, at least, the money is actually colored green. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then, if you look at the if you look at the word money from the perspective of the heart, which you call green language, where you're able to look at the symbolic meaning of the letters and syllables in conjunction with the actual regular definition of the word, what you get is you break down the word in half and say moan and then E-Y, which you would pronounce as I. So that's mono and I. And what is being suggested there is that what money is, is the one I. That's why on the $1 bill, you have the one I on the uh, dark Masonic symbol with the incomplete pyramid. And what that's trying to suggest to you is that the, your, your, percep your care is what you t will look at. What you care about is what you will pay attention to. And what they're trying to do, what is trying to be symbolically represented by all this that I'm describing is that you're meant to pay attention to money and that that is the thing that connects you to life and care and your ability to generate life itself and an experience of life. I think I, I, while you were saying that, I just also thought the word money, it's mo as in more, and then in Old English, nay, which means basically no or nothing. So it's kind of like more nothing. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty much exactly what it is. And that's green language. See, that's, you can't even see that unless you're looking at it from your heart. That's amazing. I never yeah. heard that one. I'm going to tell people that. I just thought that. I mean, there's so many like that. Like, um, like I would also bring in the fact that the word bank has the word ank in it, you know, from ancient Egyptian. Uh, so you've got, that's the symbol for life in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs, as I understand it, not being an ancient Egyptian. Um, but uh, so bank kind of is B plus ank. So you've got being and life combined to create the word bank. And then when I was studying all this stuff and thinking about it, at that time, the head of the Federal Reserve was Ben Bernanke. And I looked and, hmm. and I looked and I was just looking at his name. I was like, Bern, Ank, Key. Right, okay. So Key is Chi, Ank is life, and Burn is burn. So you've got like his actual home, his own name is telling you it's like burning life force. Uh, and, and, and then I started, you know, following that thread, and then you realize that that plan exists all the way around the planet in people's names. Uh, and so that's a big part of what I'm writing about also in my book. So That's um, amazing. And then if you look at the word build, itself and many other words that contain the word bill that is coming from uh the chaldean culture of the ancient past that they had their god which in uh, it was a solar deity that they ended up the the uh the etymology of that led to the being known as baal which was a biblical entity and um baal baal bill bell all of these are because the ancient that ancient language didn't have vowels, any of those ways of saying the B vowel L still count as uh, the the vibrational frequency of that being's um, identity, I guess. So, in a lot of different ways, our language itself is still worshiping this uh, entity that's standing in the place of the sun, trying to trying to be described as representing the sun, when in reality it's just a symbolic thought structures that humans have sent energy to and it's not the source itself it's not the sun but yeah our language is constructed to send energy to that being and people don't even realize it's yeah i mean i, I can't i don't know if that's true or not but i do definitely know that um 
you know, Mark Passio has a lot of good material on that actually. Yeah, I've seen a few things from him and I do like a lot of what he does and I respect him. There are a few things that I actually know that he says aren't quite right, but that's just normal. When oh, you listen. Let me hear about that actually. Well, I would have to, it's so, it's so complicated. There's so many things that he talks about that we'd have to go through by point by point. But um, one obvious one, I remember he was talking about masculine and feminine, yin and yang, and he basically was talking about yin and yang back to front. Um, and so he was saying, you know, what the properties of yin were with yang and vice versa. Uh, and, you know, it's things like that that are, you know, the, the core of what he's doing is pretty good, but there's there's the odd thing here and there, which is quite important that, that I know that he's kind of got a bit out of tune, let's say. Um, and I'm sure, like for me, I've learned, I try not to say anything that I don't know for sure, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, um, you know, I do sometimes, but but um, I've really trained myself to hold back rather than, because I have so much to say anyway, I, I don't really need to um, to sort of say a lot of um, opinion, really. Like I, I try to stick to things that I know for a fact are completely real. And a lot that of makes these, a lot of like, sense. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's the scientist in me talking. Like my, my mother was a structural engineer and, and I come from a sort of scientific background. So, uh, and especially working with logic and computing, you can't, you know, the computer's going to tell you very quickly that what you've done is illogical and doesn't work. So basically, if you're going to succeed, you have to have a very strong understanding of logic and a very, uh, it, it really is quite humbling. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm the great, super intelligent computer programmer. I'm going to like make this amazing thing. And then within two seconds, the computer's like, no, no, you don't know what you're doing just, you know, stop. <laughs> um, and so I can definitely respect that perspective. Um, back to the subject of Passio. I've specifically heard him say in his material, don't take my word for it though. Go do your own research. I'm just trying to point you in the direction. And so that's, that's very valuable information with any, with respect to any teacher that you should yeah. uh, do your own research, let it resonate within your own heart and don't take anybody's word for truth. Instead, use your actual conscience to guide you because yeah. what truth actually is the only way that it can truly be defined is it's what actually happens. It's what actually happened. It's what is manifest in the reality that we share as an experience or that we individually experience in some cases. But, um, you know, like you're saying, what actually happens whenever you write a line of code that is untrue is nothing happens or something breaks one or the other. <laughs> yeah. A wise man once told me, you know, the word true is a woodworking term. Uh, and basically, you know, it's, it's relating to alignment and angles. And is this cut true? Is it, is it literally aligned with where it's meant to be? And that's kind of brings back to what you're saying about aligning to reality. So are what you're thinking, are your thoughts and actions aligned with how, uh, reality actually is versus a perception of it, which may be incorrect. Um, and it gets a little bit interesting when you re relate to the idea of, well, what is reality? Well, we all have our own subjective realities, um, but there's a big reality, let's say, that sort of encompasses all of that. Um, and I think that's the key to understand that. And that's what Mark Passio is sort of pointing us towards, I think. Um, and, you know, that's very important. And probably not really many other topics or journeys a human can make that's more important than to learn about that. Uh, definitely. So for me, I like to keep it very simple. Um, in fact, uh, I don't normally refer to channeling so much, but there's a channel um, on YouTube. You'll easily go find it. Maybe you've already seen him. Um, Bashar. I don't know if you know Bashar, but um, he's channeled by a guy called Daryl Anker. It's actually channeled by about 10 different people around the planet and it's all exactly the same entity that comes through. Um, it's a massive subject. I can, you know, I've literally listened to lots and lots of hundreds of hours of material, um, and it's very, very interesting. 
Um, you could talk for a month just on that subject, but but what I like from them is they like they simplify all of these subjects very very concisely, and they say there's four laws in creation. And the first law is you exist. Um, you can't do anything about that, so you better get used to it. Um, the second law is um, the all of the one. The one is the all, which is what we were talking about earlier on in terms of oneness. Um, the third one is what you put out is what you get back, and and that's relating to karma and, and reflection and creation. And the fourth one is everything changes except for the first three laws. Um, <laughs> so so that you know for people who don't have let's say they think they don't have time to think about these subjects or they don't have maybe they've got a lot of confusing ideas about reality and so on i would like to point them to those four thoughts because they give you a very nice to, to sort of go on from that to, to analyze these things for yourself that's beautiful uh you're uh, i'm going to go ahead and jump off the call in a few minutes if you are wanting to talk about any else anything else with eureka i would love to give you a little bit more time to maybe direct people to the site, direct people to the tutorial video on YouTube, but I've already kept you about half an hour past uh, what I had said, but that's been very easy to do because this has been such sure. a brilliant conversation and we will have to do it again sometime. Sure. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun. I like that. Um, yeah. So Eureka, I'll just very briefly just give a, a description of what's on there, I guess. Um, it's very much like other social networks. That's, it's not meant to be a game changer in that sense. It just offers you a profile and blogs and you can share media and talk to people so on. I'm going to be adding video and audio calling fairly soon. Um, by the summer, that will be in place. Um, it's already there, actually, just in testing, but it needs a bit more refinement. Um, there's also a system or an area of the site called Catalysts, which is one of my favorite parts of the site, which is where it's a little bit like um, Pinterest. So uh, if people are familiar with Pinterest, it allows you to add... Um, elements to one page so let's say you add a whole bunch of videos or blogs to the website you can then create a page that brings those all together nicely and easily on one page so if you look on the catalyst's um, index page on the site you'll see a bunch of ones that I've made uh, one about cancer one about vaccines and all these different subjects and it makes it very easy to go onto other social networks and just share that one link in a, in a thread you know if people are talking about this whole complex subject you're not going to sit there typing you know 10 pages of text every day when someone else asks the same question over and over and over again but if you build these pages catalyst pages on eureka you can combine huge amounts of information to one page easily and then just share that one link so people can at their own leisure um explore these subjects rather than uh you know you having to spend the rest of your life typing trying to change the world um, that so is a really cool idea and there's more than one way that that could be used i'm i was just thinking that would be a good way for me to organize my uh episode posts that i can create on yeah. eureka where i embed all my notes and videos and images and audio players there and then i could just organize those by topic organize them by um season and all yeah. kinds of different things there uh that's really cool actually and it's really a big problem with the information sharing aspect of the internet for most people is that they're not willing to look deeper and research things on their own. So if you are able to provide someone with all the research already done and they just have to peruse through it, <laughs> that exactly. could possibly help quite a bit. Yeah, I, that's that's why I like that so much because it, it does it just solves a lot of problems that I've had over the years talking to people online. A lot of times people won't even look through it when you give them a link, but at least they've had the opportunity. Um, there's also zones on there, which are a little bit like Facebook groups. Uh, it's just just called zones because uh, it's just the name that I chose. But uh, it, all of the all of the items that are on Eureka can be categorised, 
Uh, so you can search by category as well, and you can search by tags. So it's meant to be a way of easily accessing information versus Facebook, where you know it's a constantly updating new. Um, the information is constantly changing, and it's hard to find the old information. And they don't really make it easy for you to use it as an information resource. It's more just a kind of in the moment talking kind of system. Well, it's a group think tool. Is what yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. That's why I like your the name zones better. Anyway, it's an entire uh, a group a group suggests hierarchy, I guess. Yeah. In in some at least in the way Facebook uses it. And yeah, I like the zone idea quite a bit. So, so, so the zone encompasses the same sorts of things you'd have in a group on Facebook, um, but it's just a general topic, you know, a general area for that topic, basically, is one way to think of it. But, but you can use it however you want. You can have your own one for it, for Inverse, or someone could have one for whatever topic they're interested in. So, um, yeah, there's a few other interesting things like that in there, but it's for people really to come along and uh, if they want to create a profile, it's pretty easy. There's a video on the homepage that will guide you through it. It's not, not complicated. Um, and... Uh, yeah, people can just come along and uh, post in there, and if you've got any questions, you can talk to me directly. That, that's also another good thing about it is you can actually talk to me versus like Google. We're never going to answer your questions. Facebook might answer your questions, you know. So with me, you can actually have a direct contact to the person making the site, and that means that collectively we can actually improve it. You know, if people have good ideas, then I'll find a way to make that happen, basically. Well, I'll let you know as I use it if I think of anything I'd like to see uh, different on it. Really cool. Okay, great. This has been an awesome conversation. Uh, thank you so much for coming on my show. I, I'm really super excited to bring this talk to my audience because it's exactly symbolic of the type of things I want to express and talk about and get information out to people on. Yeah, it was beautiful conversation, my friend. Thank you so much. Excellent. Thank you, too. All right. Uh, see you next week.